The LifeSpring family of podcasts is brought to you in part by AMD Live. AMD Live brings digital entertainment to life. LifeSpring number 140, what great friends. Yes, you are. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Right, welcome to LifeSpring, where we hit you right between the ears with a message of hope, love, and good news. Yes, this is LifeSpring, and I'm Steve Webb, your host. Today, there's just no way that I cannot talk about friendship. After last week's show, there was a real outpouring of friendship from you guys, and well, I just have to respond. First, I'm going to talk to you about friendship as shown in the Bible. Then I'm going to share some of the response that you guys sent to me. Then I'm going to tell you a true story of a different kind of friendship, one that I think is really going to touch your heart. This is going to be a full show, and I'm going to have to keep it moving. So let's get on with it. This is the Spring Heel Jack's original swinging jazz band with no friends like old friends. I know that you've been working hard and that your time ain't free But I'm so glad you made a Since I've dropped by in the fields, so good to talk. We always seem to pick right up where we left off. There's no friends like old friends that stood. There's no friends 
It's always so hard to say goodbye. Well, I'm going to be talking about a friend to whom you never have to say goodbye. So what is true friendship, according to the Bible? Jesus gave us the definition of a true friend in the book of John in the New Testament. He said, The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you obey me. I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Jesus is the pure example of a true friend, for he laid down his life for his friends. So who are Jesus' friends? Well, he was talking specifically to his 12 disciples there. But the word, the Bible, was given to us so that we might learn from it as well. And just as he spoke those words to his disciples, he speaks those words to his followers today. We'll be talking more about how you can have a friendship with Jesus if you don't now, a little bit later in the show. There's an example of true friendship between David and Saul's son, Jonathan, who, in spite of his father's pursuit of David and his attempts to kill him, well, Jonathan stood by his friend. That story is found in 1 Samuel, and of course, if you've been listening to the LifeSpring Family Bible, we've already covered that friendship. But uh, you can find that in 1 Samuel chapters 18 through 20, if you care to look it up. There's another good source of wisdom regarding friends in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, where it says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. A friend is always loyal. If you have a friend, then that friend is going to be there. Have you got a friend like that that's loyal, that sticks with you no matter what? That's a good friend. And you know, in order to have a friend, you have to be a friend. At another place in Proverbs, it says, Wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You see, a friend is willing to be honest with us. Even when we're wrong, they're willing to say, Hey man, you stepped out of line there. Or they're willing to tell you when you have a problem. Sure, it hurts, but if you learn from that, if you, if you realize that your, your friend is coming to you in love, then that's what a friend is all about. Sometimes a friend will challenge you. Sometimes you challenge each other. In the same chapter of Proverbs, which is, by the way, is chapter 27, it says, As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. I've got a couple of friends that are like that. We keep each other sharp. But even as friends are doing that, there is a commonality in thought and purpose a lot of times. In the book of Amos, it says, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? You see, friends are of like mind. A truth that comes from all this is that friendship is a friendship that is entered into by individuals, and it's only as good or as close as those individuals choose to make it. Someone has said that if you can count your true friends on the fingers of one hand, you're blessed. I hope you have some true friends in your life. I've got about four really good, true, close friends that I can confide everything in. I am truly blessed. You see, a friend is somebody that you can be yourself with and never be afraid that they're going to 
reject you. You can confide in them with complete trust. A friend is someone you respect and someone who respects you. A friend is somebody who you can lean on. Someone who will lift you up. In Ecclesiastes, fourth chapter, it says, Two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. If one falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. And on a cold night, two under the same blanket can gain warmth from each other. But how can one be warm alone? You know, sometimes as we're going through life, there are some very cold nights of the soul, aren't there? If you're alone, it's really cold. But if someone can come up beside you, how much does that help? I had a bit of a cold night of the soul last week, and some of you came up beside me. It helped. Let me continue with this passage in Ecclesiastes. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. (laughs) Isn't that a great picture? And then it goes on to say, three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Yeah, that's good stuff. A friend will stand with you. When you don't have the strength yourself, a friend or friends stand with you, lend their strength, and together the sum is greater than the whole. So what is a true friend? Again, the Bible says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5. And then getting back to the verse I started with, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You see, being God, who lives outside of time, Jesus knew you with all your faults and all your warts and all your wrinkles and all your silly little idiosyncrasies that sometimes make you difficult to live with. He knew everything about you. And he still made the decision to be your friend and to give up his life. You say, Steve, I'm a good guy. Well, most of the time, maybe you are. But the Bible says that everybody, everybody has fallen short. And God sees all of those shortcomings. Jesus knew everything about you. And he still said, I want to be his friend. And he's worth dying for. So will you respond to his friendship? Will you accept his offer of friendship and forgiveness? All it takes is to begin the relationship. Much like any other relationship. How did you meet your first friend? How did you meet the best friend you have? With a hello. And the more you got to know each other, the more the the friendship and the more the love grew. When you come to Jesus, you, you say, thank you for your offer of friendship. Please accept me with all of my problems, all of my warts. And please forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please Accept my friendship, be my Savior, be my Lord. It's really no harder than that. I know a lot of people want to make it much more complicated and difficult. You know, it can't be that easy. It's just not right. I've got to do something to earn forgiveness. 
I've got to pay for what I've done. No, 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 it's not that way. Jesus did it all. There's an old hymn that says, Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. And all we need to do is accept that gift that he offers. So Jesus is the ultimate true friend, without a doubt. If only I could play that whole thing. (laughs) That was the way that Kevin encouraged me this last week by suggesting a non-Podsafe song. Oh, man, I wish I could play that. But, you know, carry on is what he said. And I have to say I got a lot of encouraging email from lots of you. And uh, what I'm going to do is go through and quickly read some of them. And I'll comment, make some comments on some of the things that you all have said the very first email I got was from Shana. Now, these first couple of, well, maybe two or three emails are from fellow podcasters, and Shana has a podcast, which she mentions in her email. She says, Hi, Steve. I wanted to write after listening to your last show, and for those that are listening, that would be 139. If it makes you feel any better, I'm out here. Always have been and always will be as long as you do the show. Thank you, Shana. That means a lot to me. Thank you. I think it's terrific how much work you put into all the shows and admire your diligence. I started the Mind and Body Cast, which is the name of her podcast. And of course, I'll have links to the po- her podcast and all the others that I'll be mentioning. Started the Mind and Body Cast last summer with my son, Aaron, at the launch of Pod Show in July. And I've listened to some of those, Shana, and I enjoy them. They're fun. The conversations between you and Aaron are kind of fun to listen to. To date, we've done 12 shows, so about one per month on average. And I was really enthusiastic. My numbers are down, and I know Trucker Tom's are down as he publishes his numbers. I would imagine it's a trend and that podcasting is kind of flat right now. Until it busts out into the mainstream and more people start talking about them and it goes beyond geeks, I would guess the growth will continue to be slow. All right, let me comment on that. The effect that I was talking about last week, though, was more than just a little bit flat. I mean, it was there, there, there was a tremendous drop-off with the beginning of that uh, advertising campaign that Podshow started. Um, so it's it's more than just that. But um, talking about the fact that podcasting is a little flat right now, yeah, I think that it is. I think most people are experiencing some sort of a um, a dip or a decrease or just a flatness or a, a lack in growth. Um, that's not at all what was happening, though, here at, on, on this show or the other shows in the LifeSpring family. Shana continues. So I don't think it's just your show or anything about advertising or anything else. It's just not hit the average Joe user. It's coming, though. Keep up the great work, and even if only one person hears your message, isn't that enough? And yeah, Shane, it is. You're absolutely right. Back to the email. I've been a Christian most of my life and have never witnessed to anyone for fear of not being knowledgeable enough. Now, let me just stop right there. Shana, you know enough. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit gives us the words as he brings people to us to speak to. He doesn't make a mistake. When he puts someone in your path who um, who you feel called or you feel a leading to talk to about God, he's going to give you the words. Just have faith. You'll do it. You'll be fine. It doesn't take somebody special. It doesn't take a podcaster. It doesn't take a pastor. It doesn't take a, a priest. You can do it. Continuing on now with uh, Shana's email. 
Every time you post a show, the potential for someone else to come to know God is there. How cool is that? And there's nothing more cool than, than that, Shana. And I, I take your, your point very, very well. Thank you for that. Now, here's one from Paul. And uh, I'm kind of jumping in the middle of his email here. And he says, even before the stinkless battle, I always felt like Pod Show wasn't serving you very well. And I have to say that um, there's been it, it's kind of been a mixed bag. Um the fact that um, I get some very, very good uh, service in terms of posting shows and serving shows up, uh, that's been very, very good. And they have brought some sponsors to the show. I've had a problem with uh, one of the sponsors that you all know about, which actually Paul mentions here in a second. Um, and it's enabled me to, uh, I think, reach some people that we may not have reached before. So um, it, it is a mixed bag. But uh, Paul goes on to say, you only need to listen to Adam's show to know his morality is not in alignment with yours. And, well, that's no secret to anybody. Yeah, that's true. Then he continues, the GoDaddy campaign is another example. Look at all the extra effort you had to go through to align both of those campaigns with your podcast. What a hassle. Why should you even bother? Then he continues, well, on LifeSpring 139, you told me why. You bother because, as an insider, you are in a position to promote positive change. And that's true. And that is one of the main reasons why I signed with Podshow at the very beginning, when they first opened up Podshow. Actually, I signed with Podshow before they opened it up to the community. I was one of the initial, I don't know, 40 or 50 that that they brought in. So uh, that's why I did it, though, so that I could be a positive influence, uh, not just as a show, but as someone who has contact with some of the people inside Podshow. Paul continues here with his, e- with his email. You're taking quite a risk, you know. Look at May's numbers and you can see the risk. That's true. Even worse, you run the risk of non-believers saying, see, that web guy is no different than anybody else. Well, they might say that until they listen to the show and get to know my heart. Um, Paul continues, I applaud you for taking that risk. Many more people benefit than if you isolated yourself. And, you know, that's something that I've thought about this last uh, couple of weeks. And, yeah, you know, I could uh, take my blocks and go home, I suppose, and be in my own little corner of the Internet um, or maybe associate myself with only other Christian shows. But, you know, there's a word or a phrase that's been going through my head in relation to that. And, And this is not meant to be at all disparaging to anybody whose shows are who's a part of a Christian network or anything else. But I keep thinking the phrase, a Christian ghetto. I don't want to be just separated with the Christians. I want to be out there. I want to be salt and light. And so that's why I went with Podshow. And uh, that's why I put the effort in. Because I want to be able to be um, seen by people other than Christians. So that's what that's all about. Here's an email from Ron. Ron says, Hi, Steve. It's been a while since I've been able to listen to any of your shows, but for about a week I felt an urge to make time. I'm glad I did. Let me encourage you. And then he had some some things to say. And then he said, Just remember, God did call you, and he'll adjust the numbers as he pleases. Your job is to deliver the message. I know you feel responsible for the numbers and listeners, but just put them back in his hands. It's okay. And Ron, those are excellent words. You're absolutely right, brother. And... um, I thank you for that reminder. Um, I've been reminded of that several times. I, I think I mentioned that on the show, but it's good to, to have it come from some of you guys too. So there were uh, one, two, three podcasters there that I, I gave you examples of the emails that I got. I will be giving you on the show notes pages uh, links to those podcasts. 
So those are podcasters. What about listeners? What are they saying? People that are just pure listeners. So I got a message from Don on MySpace and he said, Hi, Steve, just been listening to your podcast. I'm one of the listeners who hasn't jumped ship. In fact, I just subscribed to your weekend music show and it rocks. I've always admired your integrity. Don't ever jump the shark. Have a good day and God bless. Well, Don, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And uh, we got uh, Leo in South Africa via Facebook. He said, hey, Steve, just giving you a shout to say, keep up the good work. Love the podcast. James in the UK. Now, actually, James is a podcaster as well. So I guess I should have put him up in the other one. Um, he does a, a podcast of his, uh, his church's sermons every week. And he's the guy that did the Advent Calendar podcast with me as well. So maybe he should be up above. But he says, it's amazing how the bad guy, referring to Satan, can use all sorts of things to screw up good work. I've been praying for you. One thing that came to me when I was praying, Jesus said, when two or three are gathered, not when lots of people are gathered. As long as the heart is right, God's not that bothered about numbers. He wants people. I hope you can take that as an encouragement. And James, you're right. Um, you guys... <laughs> <laughs> you're really re reminding me of that. And that's a good thing. That's what friends do. And uh, you people are, are good friends. Good friends. And then uh, I've got one more that I want to share with you. And that would be Kevin. The born again, the born again bus driver. <laughs> of course, Kevin chimed in as I'm um, hearing from him well on a weekly basis, it seems like. So uh, what did Kevin say? Kevin said, I've still got your back, brother. When the whole suckless thing first started airing, I was a bit taken aback, but realized that it was a necessary evil and that you probably had to roll with the punches. But of course, folks are going to get upset about it. So the fact that you were responding to concerns over it was very responsible, and you were making that very clear on your podcasts. But still, there were folks, apparently, that were offended over the fact that they that they aired it all in the first place and and let's see and the ads did play for a while there before you started bringing in correction and so yeah uh, it, it, I, I didn't expect Podshow to keep playing those things the way they did I finally had to say something especially as they got worse so anyway um, he says so anyway be, rest assured that you still have listeners out here I appreciate you and the family and always enjoy what flows out of Lifespring well almost all of it all, <laughs> almost all of it anyway yeah, he doesn't like Stephen's, um, uh, what, what is it, hardcore music show very well. <laughs> uh, anyway, he says, you're a great example, Steve. Rebuild it and they will come. And uh, yeah, thank you for that, Kevin. I really, really appreciate that. And so Kevin is out of here. <laughs> all right, so that's that. Okay. I really want to thank all of you for for writing to me this last week. Uh, those were just some of the examples that I got, and uh, it, it meant a lot. It, it really, truly did. And this kind of sums it up. Your heroes will help you find good in yourself. Your friends won't forsake you for somebody else. They'll both stand beside you through thick and through thin. Oh, I get by with a little help got a friend in me you got a friend in me you've got a friend I just can't do it on my own you lift me up you raise 
Yeah, you guys are great. Thank you. All right, this is called The Old Man and His Dog. This was written by Catherine Moore. Watch out, you nearly broadsided that car, my father yelled at me. Can't you do anything right? Those words hurt worse than blows. I turned my head toward the elderly man on the seat beside me, daring me to challenge him. A lump rose in my throat as I averted my eyes. I wasn't prepared for another battle. I saw that car, Dad. Please don't yell at me when I'm driving. My voice was measured and steady, sounding far calmer than I really felt. Dad glared at me, then turned away and settled back. At home, I left Dad in front of the television and went outside to collect my thoughts. Dark, heavy clouds hung in the air with the promise of rain. The rumble of distant thunder seemed to echo my inner turmoil. What could I do about it? Dad had been a lumberjack in Washington and Oregon. He had enjoyed being outdoors and had reveled in pitting his strength against the forces of nature. He had entered grueling lumberjack competitions and had placed often. The shelves in his house were filled with trophies that attested to his prowess. The years marched on relentlessly. The first time he couldn't lift a heavy log, he joked about it. But later that same day, I saw him outside alone, straining to lift it. He became irritable whenever anyone teased him about his advancing age or when he couldn't do something he had done as a younger man. Four days after his 67th birthday, he had a heart attack. An ambulance sped him to the hospital while a paramedic administered CPR to keep blood and oxygen flowing. At the hospital, Dad was rushed into an operating room. He was lucky. He survived. But something inside Dad died. His zest for life was gone. He obstinately refused to follow doctors' orders. Suggestions and offers of help were turned aside with sarcasm and insults. The number of visitors thinned, then finally stopped altogether. Dad was left alone. My husband Rick and I asked Dad to come live with us on our small farm. We hoped the fresh air and rustic atmosphere would help him adjust. Within a week after he moved in, I regretted the invitation. It seemed nothing was satisfactory. He criticized everything I did. I became frustrated and moody. Soon I was taking my pent-up anger out on Rick. We began to bicker and argue. Alarmed, Rick sought out our pastor and explained the situation. The clergyman set up weekly counseling appointments for us. At the close of each session, he prayed, asking God to soothe Dad's troubled mind. But the months wore on and God was silent. A raindrop struck my cheek. I looked up into the gray sky. Somewhere up there was God. Although I believe a supreme being had created the universe, I had difficulty believing that God cared about the tiny human beings on this earth. I was tired of waiting for a God who did not answer. Something had to be done, and it was up to me to do it. The next day, I sat down with the phone book and methodically called each of the mental health clinics listed in the yellow pages. I explained my problem in vain to each of the sympathetic voices that answered. Just when I was giving up hope, one of the voices suddenly exclaimed, I just read something that might help you. Let me go get the article. I listened as she read. The article described a remarkable study done at a nursing home. All of the patients were under treatment for chronic depression, yet their attitudes had improved dramatically when they were given the responsibility for a dog. I drove to the animal shelter that afternoon. After I filled out a questionnaire, a uniformed officer led me to the kennels. The odor of disinfectant stung my nostrils as I moved down the row of pens. Each contained five to seven dogs. Long-haired dogs, curly-haired dogs, black dogs, spotted dogs, all jumped up trying to reach me. 
I studied each one but rejected one after the other for various reasons. Too big, too small, too much hair. As I neared the last pen, a dog in the shadows of the far corner struggled to his feet, walked to the front of the run, and sat down. It was a pointer, one of the dog world's aristocrats. But this was a caricature of the breed. Years had etched his face and muzzle with shades of gray. His hip bones jutted out in lopsided triangles. But it was his eyes that caught and held my attention. Calm and clear, they beheld me unwaveringly. I pointed to the dog. Can you tell me about him? The officer looked, then shook his head in puzzlement. He's a funny one. Appeared out of nowhere and sat in front of the gate. We brought him in, figuring someone would be right down to claim him. That was two weeks ago, and we've heard nothing. His time is up tomorrow. He gestured helplessly. As the words sank in, I turned to the man in horror. You mean you're going to kill him? Ma'am, he said gently, that's our policy. We just don't have room for every unclaimed dog. I looked at the pointer again. The calm brown eyes awaited my decision. I'll take him, I said. I drove home with the dog on the front seat beside me. When I reached the house, I honked the horn twice. I was helping my prize out of the car when Dad shuffled onto the front porch. Ta-da! Look what I got for you, Dad! I said excitedly. Dad looked, then wrinkled his face in disgust. If I'd wanted a dog, I would have gotten one. Then I would have picked out a better specimen than that bag of bones. Keep it, I don't want it. Dad waved his arm scornfully and turned back toward the house. Anger rose inside me. It squeezed together my throat muscles and pounded into my temples. You'd better get used to him, Dad. He's staying. Dad ignored me. Did you hear me, Dad? I screamed. At those words, Dad whirled angrily. His hands clenched at his sides, his eyes narrowed and blazing with hate. We stood glaring at each other like duelists, when suddenly the pointer pulled free from my grasp. He wobbled toward my dad and sat down in front of him. Then slowly, carefully, he raised his paw. Dad's lower jaw trembled as he stared at the uplifted paw. Confusion replaced the anger in his eyes. The pointer waited patiently. Then, Dad was on his knees hugging the animal. It was the beginning of a warm and intimate friendship. Dad named the pointer Cheyenne. Together, he and Cheyenne explored the community. They spent long hours walking down dusty lanes. They spent reflective moments on the banks of streams, angling for tasty trout. They even started to attend Sunday services together, Dad sitting in a pew and Cheyenne lying quietly at his feet. Dad and Cheyenne were inseparable throughout the next three years. Dad's bitterness faded, and he and Cheyenne made many friends. Then late one night, I was startled to feel Cheyenne's cold nose burrowing through our bed covers. He had never before come into our bedroom at night. I woke Rick, put on my robe, and ran into my father's room. Dad lay in his bed, his face serene, but his spirit had left quietly sometime during the night. Two days later, my shock and grief deepened when I discovered Cheyenne lying dead beside Dad's bed. I wrapped his still form in the rag rug he had slept on. As Rick and I buried him near a favorite fishing hole, I silently thanked the dog for the help he had given me in restoring Dad's peace of mind. The morning of Dad's funeral dawned overcast and dreary. 
This day looks like the way I feel, I thought, as I walked down the aisle to the pews reserved for family. I was surprised to see the many friends Dad had made filling the church. The pastor began his eulogy. It was a tribute to both Dad and the dog who changed his life. And then the pastor turned to Hebrews 13.2, which says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. For me, the past dropped into place, completing a puzzle that I had not seen before. The sympathetic voice that had just read the right article, Cheyenne's unexpected appearance at the animal shelter, his calm acceptance and complete devotion to my father, and the proximity of their deaths. And suddenly I understood. I knew that God had answered my prayers after all. Today's music was Spring Heel Jack's original swinging jazz band, Rob Coslow and Torsens. Links to these songs and the podcasts of the friends who wrote this week will be on the show notes page at lifespringpodcast.com. And I played snippets of Kansas, Randy Travis, The Beatles, Randy Newman, and Lyle Lovett, James Taylor, and the OC Supertones. Hey, listen, I'd love to get your email at steve.lifespring at gmail.com and your voice messages at 206-350-CALL. Let me know what you're thinking. And thanks again to everyone who wrote this week. Jesus said, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, or your station in life. Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? LifeSpring is about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. Want to know more? Write to me. I guarantee I'll answer. Hey, I'll see you next time. Thank you for being with me today. My name is Steve Webb. God bless you. This has been an In Touch Productions podcast. The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, pod show, and limelight. <laughs>